all across CNY. It's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am, rolling along, Wednesday, Cuse, Utica, Rome, Central New York, whatever you're up to. Glad to have you here driving about on the radio, listening in on QSportsTalk.com. Paulie's out at the mega desk. He's dialing phones. He's punching buttons. I'm afraid the station may combust at any second, but as far as I know, at this exact time, we are still on the air wherever we want to be. And uh, with that, we'll bring in a friend of the show and our next guest, Kelly Gramlich. Uh, Kelly, uh, w- welcome in. We're, we're a little shorthanded here today, so we got people pushing buttons they, they shouldn't normally push. But we think we, we, we acquired you on the air, so we're, we're calling this a great victory for all of us. But uh, <laughs> welcome in, and thanks for hopping on for a few. You know, it is always a pleasure. And, guys, I did local radio for six years. I understand things can go wrong. Did radio during uh, the COVID, you know, pandemic and all sorts of stuff. So you always will have some great stories once your time in local radio is up. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah we, we've got the radio part handled. We, we all know how the radio buttons work. <laughs> it's the fact that, you know, people want to look at us now on the Internet and the whole thing. That adds in so ah. much, you know, lots of buttons and clicking. And there's a lot of there's a lot of things. But uh, good to have you here, uh, Kelly. And lots to talk to you about today because, you know, on, on Gramlick and McLean, you guys are still uh, you're, you're winding up the football season and looking ahead to next. And we'll, we'll get into the women's soups here in a little bit. But, uh, you know, the reason you came to mind this week is because the ACC football schedule uh, came out officially on uh, Monday night. So I'll give you the floor here. Like the, the whole schedule's out there. You got every game of in front of you, is there, is there anything top of mind when that landed that, that struck you as the most interesting when it first came out? Yeah, the schedule, I mean, I think it's great that the ACC is releasing it a little earlier than they used to because you want to get that schedule out there, get people talking about it, and especially in the South, get people uh, where they can schedule their fall weddings. So that's very, very important. <laughs> but I think what really stood out to me when it was announced on Monday night, some of the games we didn't know were happening the Duke Clemson opener is surprising. I think that says a lot about Duke and a growing respect for Duke that they did that. And you want a somewhat high profile game to start the year. And the fact that that game is at Duke, you had a nine win Duke taking on the Tigers and Duke posted a little video trolling Dabo running down the hill. I loved it. So that was a little surprising to me. I just didn't really expect that. But when you look at some of these other opponents to kick off Labor Day, you know, Florida State's busy. Um, some of these other – North Carolina's busy. They're playing South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And these other schools have things that are already set in stone. I think for the Syracuse Orange, I saw another brutal stretch in the middle of the year where the Orange get Clemson, North Carolina, and Florida State back to back to back, and two of those on the road. It reminded me of the Clemson-Notre Dame-NC State stretch this year for Syracuse. So that definitely stood out as something that was difficult. I was surprised when I saw some tweets about Mac Brown not loving his schedule. I didn't really know what he was necessarily mad about. I think it's the finish, perhaps, Duke, and then at Clemson, at NC State to finish the year. And the beginning of the schedule is difficult, but, you know, he scheduled South Carolina and Minnesota and App State. So mm-hmm. I was a little surprised by that. But those are just some of my initial takeaways. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the main one, I, I think, that struck uh, Q's fans. Well, there's many of things that strike the, the Q's schedule. There's not a Saturday home game in there for a two-month stretch. But that, that is uh, oh. not necessarily the ACC. They, they aren't sure taking part in the, the game at Pittsburgh at, at Yankee Stadium. Uh, in the middle of that, which is a, a Q's home game. But the, the Clemson at Carolina at FSU stretch 
for Syracuse, Kelly. That's three straight weeks. My, <laughs> my guess is when the preseason polls come out in the league, those are probably going to be the top uh, three teams. They're, they're certainly going to yeah. be the, the top two teams with Florida State and Clemson. I'd imagine Carolina will be third. I can't imagine there's a harder in-conference stretch uh, in, in the league this year than those three back-to-back-to-back. That one is very, very difficult. The only other one, perhaps, you know, just depending on what happens, could be what we just referred to with North Carolina with mm-hmm. the, the Duke, Clemson, NC State stretch. Um, but for, for the Cuse, you know, to draw that middle stretch is definitely difficult. And we're getting away from divisions, but somehow Syracuse still drew Clemson, Florida State, and North Carolina and Pittsburgh. So I do think that's going to be an interesting schedule for Syracuse. But we had Matt Park on our Graham Lick and McLean podcast talking about Syracuse ACC under review. And I think it is really interesting, the two new coordinators for Syracuse. In a year where, you know, looking at it from a 10,000-foot view is definitely a successful season, making a bowl, winning seven games. And Matt Park said, in some ways, you feel like you upgraded at both positions. So I think that's going to be really interesting to look at for Syracuse next year. Yeah, and it could be. We'll, we'll see with, with Jason Beck taking over at the OC, and he's very tight, obviously, with, with the quarterback when, when you look at that goes, mm-hmm. and, and Rocky Long. Uh, everyone liked Tony White around here, but Rocky Long has more experience and, and success as a, a coordinator, a defensive head coach, than uh, almost anybody out there due to you know time of service and the whole thing. So, you know... We shall see. I'm intrigued of your thought, Kelly, because, you know, you can, as you said, you can hit Syracuse from a 10,000-foot view where we are incapable of that uh, here in town. <laughs> right. Like, th- this Pittsburgh game, Syracuse and Pittsburgh at Yankee Stadium. Obviously, you know, Syracuse fans, oh, man, a home game got moved, this and that and the whole thing. How, how does a game like that, you know, 100-year anniversary of the first football game at Yankee Stadium, uh, you know, history around it, how does that strike you from the outside perspective? My first thought is that it sounds like a really cool event, and I thought it was cool to see both of those schools participating in this and playing at Yankee Stadium. I know that you know Syracuse just did something very similar in their bowl, so mm-hmm. maybe it's not as fascinating from a Syracuse perspective because you just did it, but it's a rivalry matchup, somewhat of a rivalry, and you're in Yankee Stadium, and I think it adds some in, more intrigue to that game than you might have normally without it being there. I'm sure there will be a lot of coverage there. It feels like that's something that the huddle could be at and, and things of that nature. So I thought it was interesting, and I think it's cool to switch things up a little bit. I'm sure, like you said, the Syracuse fans maybe not super pleased about not having a true home game, but it's a good excuse to go to New York City. I, I just think it's, it adds some intrigue to the Pitt-Syracuse game that maybe – depending on how the year goes, might increase the, the profile of that game. Yeah, so, you know, we'll see how it goes. That lands, uh, it's actually on uh, Veterans Day uh, specifically, so easy to remember. It's on November 11th, which <laughs> is a, a Saturday this year. Houston Pitt down uh, at Yankee Stadium. You know, we gnash our teeth over things like that up here. I'm just intrigued to see, you know, what the outside view sure. of it is. And, you know, you said it, you're, you're doing your, your year-in-review podcast of all, all the football teams from last year. You know, now, now that you've had... Uh, a couple months to, to think on it. When you think back to Syracuse football this fall, what's your main takeaway from the last season? My main takeaway is it, it was really two seasons. It was pretty unbelievable to see how it went down when you start 6-0 and and you get up to number 14 in the country. And the Clemson-Syracuse game has so much hype. It was the game of the weekend. That weekend it was a top 15 game. And it was really close. It was a good game. Syracuse seems to always play Clemson tough. We know that. But then after that, 
the injuries it felt like just started to pile up for Syracuse and perhaps a lack of depth showed at some positions. And of course the schedule was not forgivable. And I think the biggest question mark was not just the injuries with Schrader and all that, but on the defense, the the run defense specifically with that three three five is the big question for Syracuse. And that's why, you know, you're bringing in Rocky Long, the guy that literally invented that defense. Mm-hmm. Can he sure things up? But my main Concern for Syracuse, though, is you just you lose all of those high-profile guys on defense. The two corners, Michael Jones. I know Wax is coming back, but just replacing all those personalities and all that talent, I know, will be difficult. But I think it will be good, of course, to have Schrader back, Gadsden, and then LaQuint Allen, who I know you guys are excited about up there. So I think Syracuse, especially you look at how the season starts. Two wins off the bat, you would think, and then at Purdue, which can be a little more difficult, even though Brahm has moved on, Army. I mean, I, I can very well see a 4-0 Syracuse heading into that really tough stretch in the middle of the year. Yeah, uh, hey, undefeated into Clemson. Is things like that that have happened before or close to happen before and have right. gotten big thoughts? And uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. you got a third-year starting quarterback coming back, and, you know, there, there is reason to have uh, high hopes. As uh, Kelly Gramlich is our guest from Gramlich and McLean. Uh, let, let's put your ACC Network uh, women's basketball hat on now, uh, Kelly, as uh, we're, we're into the meat of it now. And I, we've had this conversation ad nauseum with almost uh, every guest we've had for the last couple months, and it, it's coming uh, clearer on the men's side now, if you know who's the best team in the ACC on the men's side. And it, it feels like... Uh, Virginia is is emerging as kind of the consensus there. And mm-hmm. it feels like on the women's side, it may be going the other way. I think like a week, week and a half ago, I was finally, you know, coming around to the idea, okay, I think I'm pretty sure Notre Dame's the best team. And I think there might be separation. And I, I felt that even more after they, you know, really waxed Florida State a, a couple weeks ago. Right. Then Dara Mabry gets hurt, and then they lose at NC State. And now I'm like, oh, wh- who's the best team? Who is the best team in the ACC right now? I, I don't know if I know the answer anymore. This is the crazy, this is my fourth year covering the league. Of course, you know, I played, so this is probably, I guess, my 12th year around the league. This is the craziest year I've seen in terms of just, I don't really know who the favorite is. If you told me that Notre Dame could play every one of their games at home, I would say, yeah, they're the favorite because their home road splits are really concerning, I think, for Notre Dame. And then, of course, with Dara Mabry out, that hurts their depth for a team that wasn't already deep to begin with. Duke is also a lot better at home. And Duke reminds me a little bit of the Virginia men and how they play. It's it's similar. They're low scoring. They want to keep the game in the 50s and 60s. They play great defense. Florida State wants to go score 90. (laughs) North Carolina wants to go score 80. Virginia Tech wants to shoot the lights out. So every team is so different. And with Syracuse up, you've got nine teams there that have at least five wins in the league. And you've got three teams at the top with eight wins, the next three under there, seven. I, I, I think I would still lean Notre Dame, but the Mabry injury and how they play on the road are very concerning for me. And I do think Syracuse, I saw in Charlie Cream's recent bracketology, they were no longer in the next four out, but I still definitely have them on the bubble. They have a tough remaining schedule. They have four ranked teams left in February, which is very tough. And then they also have Miami in there, who's a tournament team. So they're going to have, they have chances to earn their way into the tournament. That's for sure. And when you have a player like DeAsia Fair, 
I am never going to count you out because she has just been special this year. Yeah, she had 36, uh, I think it was. She's in the, crazy. Yeah, in the Virginia game last week. And, you know, she did it at Buffalo. And not to poo-poo what you do at Buffalo, like to score 25 a game is still 25 a game. But it's a different beast to do it in the ACC, and she's doing it here second leading score in the league right now. Well, what have you yep. made, what have you made of the Orange this year? Cuz you said it, they they still haven't had a marquee win. They have not beaten uh the better teams on their schedule yet. They've played they've had fair fights, but they've not won the games against, mm-hmm. you know, the handful of best teams on their schedule. What, what are you making of this first season with Felicia Leggett Jack after, you know, what was essentially a lost year last year? And I mean, she inherited a team with four players. So what she's done to have Syracuse on the bubble right now, I think is really, really impressive. And you're right. They've won the games they're supposed to win. They've lost the games that they're kind of supposed to lose. The Georgia Tech loss, I thought, was kind of a bad loss, even though it was on the road. So that could come back and hurt them. But moving forward, they have so many chances. And this Thursday, they have Virginia Tech on the road. That would be a massive quad one win. They've got North Carolina at home, quad one game. They're at Notre Dame, quad one. They're at Florida State, quad one. Um, and then uh, Miami, I think, would be a quad two at home. But they have all these chances. The thing with Syracuse is their guard play has been excellent. DeAsia Fair has been great. Georgia Woolley's coming on. Hyman's been great. They're just undersized. And so when you go up against a Virginia Tech, which I'm really intrigued about that game, and you're trying to slow down a Liz Kitley, how does that work, right? When you go up against Notre Dame and they were with Notre Dame for three quarters. The fourth quarter, Notre Dame figured it out. And you go up against that size, it's been an issue. So, obviously, it's something that Legat Jack is going to recruit and fix. But she inherited a team with four players. And she basically has Syracuse on the bubble with a lot of mid-major transfers. And uh, D.H. Affair is not – I mean, she, she's one of the best players in the country. South Carolina wanted her. So, she's a little different. But I think Legat Jack should definitely be in the conversation for Coach of the Year. And who knows? You've got a lot of basketball left, and you've got a lot of opportunities to get some big wins. Yeah, and you're going to have to win. If you want to actually talk tournament, you're going to have to win some of those uh, games. But as you said, the opportunities are there. One of the teams you mentioned, and this is the team that, you know, they came out of nowhere in my mind this year, is Florida State. Like, I was not Mm -hmm. remotely thinking, you know, Brooke Wyckoff has been there forever, but it's her first year as the actual full-time head coach. And you know, their best player last year is now on Louisville. Then all of a sudden, they may have the best player in the league. Like, I, I don't know where Tanaya Latson came from. I mean, she was a big-time recruit, but nobody, nobody has done this as a freshman in the ACC that I can remember. Can you remember anything like this from a freshman, Kelly? She's averaging 25 a game right now. No, the, what she's done as a freshman is pretty spectacular. I'm, I was trying to find an equivalent. First of all, no freshman has ever led the league in scoring, so that would be a first if she ends up in It'll be kind of between her and Fair, probably. Um, and Haley Van Leth is up there, too. But, no, I, I've never seen a true freshman, even in today's day and age when these recruits come in and they're just ready to go. Even Olivia Miles is a freshman. She was great, but she wasn't scoring like this. No, not so like this. It's, yeah, it's just unprecedented. And we've seen her numbers drop off a little bit in January. That freshman wall is real because – if you're playing high school basketball, your season's literally about to be over. And so you hit that wall because you have another month and a half of the year and you're just your body's not used to it. But Florida State, Brooke Wyckoff has been an assistant forever, as you said. I did not expect him to be this good, but I also didn't expect her to change this much with her system. And she brought in a different assistant coach who's implemented this offensive system where they play as fast as possible and they, they want to get up and down and score 90. And that's been a game changer for them. And they've had players 
that were on the roster last year that didn't do much at all, that averaged like five points per game, like a Sarah Bajetti that's now averaging in double figures and has, has really excelled in their system. So I think could, uh, Brooke Wyckoff should also be in the discussion for ACC Coach of the Year with what she's done. I think the ACC Coach of the Year discussion is one of the hardest that I've ever seen this year. I, you could make the argument for a lot of different coaches. Yeah, it, it's usually like, all right, uh, you know, Je- Jeff Walls or Westmore, that's a pretty good vote. And, mm-hmm. and this year, like, they're not anywhere near the conversation. I don't think either of them. And it's it's wide open, but I'm really impressed with, with Florida State. Because it's weird with Wyckoff, right, Kelly? Like, when she had the year two years ago in for Sue Semrau as, you know, it, it's her team for a year. But it's not really. Like, it's not really your Correct. team, right? You can't change everything. I, I'm amazed to see how much you're, as you said, like, all right, it's my job now. Here's how I want to do things. <laughs> it's so different from what they did. It's wild to see what she's done. Right. I mean, you don't generally see a coach who's been there for 20 years as an assistant shake things up this much. And that's why I think a lot of us, Florida State was a tournament team last year, barely. Mm-hmm. So we kind of thought that's, that's what they would be. And Morgan Jones left. You're right. It was It was crazy, but... I respect the fact that she said, I'm going to change things this much. And I, I believe in this system. And it's definitely paid off for her. All right, Kelly. Always good to chat. Good to run the full gamut of the ACC with uh, football and hoops. Uh, hope you're well. And I'm sure we'll do this again soon, okay? It is always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. That is Kelly Gramlick of the Gramlick and uh, Matt Lane podcast of ACC Network uh, Women's Soups Analysis. You can catch her on there uh, all the time. Just uh, I don't even want to give you a schedule. She's just on there all the time talking uh, women's soups.